0: Hello, and welcome to the Pentecostal Youth Podcast, a podcast made for youth by youth. I'm Chris, and today I'm joined by Wesley. Yo. Daniel.
1: What's poppin'?
0: And Josiah. How's it going, y'all? Our topic today is You Are Not Too Young to Lead. Did you know that sociologists say that even the most introverted person will influence over 10,000 people in their life? You are a leader to each and every one of those people. A leader to every person that looks up to you. You may not even know that you're a leader to them, but you are. How is your leadership going to affect them?
1: That is a really good question. That makes me question how good I've been over the years. But <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I'll start out. Leadership is something that I've not necessarily been the most active in, but I have seen. My dad was a pastor, well, acted as pastor during a transition period with one church. He was associate pastor at another church that we've been to. And so I've seen leadership more than I've been in it. But there's a few things that I have observed. One of those things is that unless you are bringing hope as a leader or correction, you keep your mouth shut. I know it's a very hard hitting statement to start out with, but. That's just one of the basic things you need to learn how to do as a leader. You need to learn how to build up the people around you, the team you're working with, and how to correct them correctly. Otherwise, you need to zip your lip. It's something that... uh, You do get annoyed sometimes with leaders that have that strategy. Because... You know, sometimes you want to know what's going on, but you have to force them to open up because they don't want to bring the rest of the team down. But it's a matter of I am doing this to help my people get through what we're doing, achieve this goal. I don't need to be burdening them a whole lot with my own problems. Not to say that you are a problem, but you need to learn how to keep your leadership and your life separate so to speak
0: you know that's that's actually an important concept that all of us i think have learned over the years as leaders even i I think everyone else here could agree that it is important to know when to speak and when not to speak but there's also the fact that We have to act as leaders even when we don't think that we're acting in a leadership position at that time. You know, uh, just because you don't have the title as pastor or as youth pastor or any other position within the church body doesn't mean that you're not leading people. I can remember my youth pastor as... Uh, a younger person I'm kind of getting up to that age where I'm aging out of being under my youth pastor all the time but um you know he would always tell uh, tell me he's like you gotta be careful what you're doing because those younger youth they look up to you if you're an older youth the young youth they look up to you Mm -hmm. 100 percent they're watching what you're doing They're paying attention They're A lot of the time they even may copy what you do. You know, if you're in church and you're worshiping, you're giving it all you got. Sometimes some of the younger ones just copy you because they think you're cool and they're they're just doing what you're doing. And that's something to keep in the back of your mind at all times. You know. The fact that occasionally or a lot of the time we think that to be a leader we have to have the position we have to be old even um that's that's really not the case at all Mm
1: -hmm. my dad was a youth pastor um at the age of i want to say it was 18 19 somewhere in there Mm -hmm. and uh he was youth pastor to who is my youth pastor now, but it's not that much of an age gap between the two. Um my youth pastor, well, now he's my hyphen pastor, but whatever. <laughs> I I still refer to him as my youth pastor half the time because they just recently made the transition in leadership, but um he he's not that far off from the group that he is um, working with. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing you want to be influencing those under you, but you don't want to have such a gap that you are, shall we say, uh, you got a cultural difference between the two. I mean, it's one thing to uh, be an elder, but if you are speaking a complete different language half the time, then it's hard to communicate effectively.
2: Mm.
0: That's the truth. And even as an older person, like sometimes maybe, you know, maybe an older youth pastor or something may be listening to us right now, Mm -hmm. that... It's not necessarily a bad thing in, in general because, you know, as an older person, you have more experience, you can guide better than someone that may only be one or two years older. Yeah. Who's maybe just going through it for the first time like the youth are at that time.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Um, but to keep in mind that there is that generational difference, that's that's definitely something to keep in mind
1: yeah and honestly if you are someone from the baby boomer generation who's working as a youth pastor i commend you for any effort you have trying to bridge the gap because it is vast. Mm. um i have a hard time communicating with my grandparents half the time simply because of that <laughs> generational gap it gets annoying sometimes but uh minor things like saying yeah no problem sometimes that gets on people's nerves from that generation whenever now it's just common knowledge
0: Mm, yeah what steering us back on to the the topic of point here is we're not too young to lead uh you know we kind of rabbit trailed a little bit there but that happens uh you're not too young to lead It, it just it's it's a simple simple topic and uh it's something that I think a lot of young people today struggle with. I know I did for quite a while. I was like, "Well, I can- God can't use me right now. He just can't. I'm t- I'm too young. I'm I'm too mm-hmm. young. Uh, like uh, it's just I don't have the experience. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, that doesn't that doesn't matter to God. Yeah, it doesn't matter to God.
1: I mean half of the people that were called to lead in the Bible were. They received that calling in their youth.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Now, I'm hoping one of these other guys will jump in here, too. (laughs) Uh,
3: But.
2: (laughs) I'm still I'm still writing down some notes in the background. Josiah can go next if he wants to.
3: So about. Young people in leadership. And, you know, Jeremiah was a young prophet. Mm-hmm. The Bible, Bible says in Jeremiah 1, 4, And the, word, the Lord came, came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. And then I said, O Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said unto me, Do not say, "I am a youth," for you shall go into all who I send, and and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you," says the Lord. God, God is speaking to Jeremiah. Uh, and Jeremiah was very young, as a word says, as um, Jeremiah was scared because he, he felt like people weren't going to take him seriously. People weren't going to take him as, this is what God has called me for. This is a time and the place God has called me for. But God uh, immediately replies and says, do not say, I am a youth. For I am with you, and I shall be with you, and I shall deliver you. Mm -hmm. God is going to make a way when there seemeth to be no way. He -hmm. makes a path. He always has and he always will.
1: David is another good example of this because he received the calling to lead and the anointing while he was still dwelling within his father's house doing the stuff that Mm-hmm. Uh, basically chores that a reasonable, responsible kid would be doing.
3: Yeah,
1: And he- it was, it wasn't until later that he um, actually became king, but he, he exercised that authority before he got to his promise. That's the yeah. thing. He, he almost immediately was going and facing off with Goliath. But he was not immediately king, even though that was what he was anointed for. And that's the thing. You have to be able to lead before you reach your calling. Which doubles back to, yeah, you're not going to hold the position of pastor or youth pastor immediately. But your calling to lead is still there. You have that authority as soon as that anointing is applied what are you going to do to exercise that now? Hmm. You know, there's there's
0: one thing that you just talking there, Daniel, reminded me of. And that's um, something that we went over in college there in our leadership course. And that is, it's simply called leading from the middle. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily at the top, but you're also not at the bottom. You know, as a leader, y- you know, you, you gotta balance it because Mm -hmm. even with david while he was not yet king he was still under the submission of uh goodness what's the guy's name someone help
1: (laughs) uh saul saul
0: yeah king saul Saul. I, i blanked real hard there yeah but anyway he yeah. was still under the submission of Saul's leadership
1: mm-hmm. as king. So much so that he wouldn't even touch um, him whenever he had the chance to kill him. And Saul was chasing him throughout the lands of Israel.
3: Yeah, exactly. Well, well David, when Saul Saul was sleeping, David just touched. The, he just cut off. Let's compare this to the hem of his garment, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and God saw David's head basically He sought to kill David Yeah Just because he touched the anointed You should never overstep the anointed in your life Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: But as Chris was saying And you have to learn to lead from the middle Right You can't overstep your boundaries You have to know where your boundaries are Right
1: And sometimes those boundaries are different Depending on your position Um, If you're, uh, my dad's a nurse, so this comes to mind. If you're an LPN, you're under the RN, but you're doing more work than the RN does. You're just reporting to them, basically. RN handles Mm -hmm. all the paperwork. You're the one pushing the meds. CNA is the one who does all the cleanup and all that junk. But just because you are not dealing with patients, per se, that does not mean that your job is less important because there's a bunch of legal stuff that has to go through and that's why you have all the paperwork that an RN has to do. Mm-hmm. But your LPNs still need to deliver the meds and chart that they've delivered them. Otherwise, you've got mismanagement of meds, you got narcotics floating around that you don't know where they're at. It can be very dangerous. So every job is important no matter where you are in the power structure. Right. If you don't clean up a patient, they can get infections and that kind of stuff. I know it's not healthcare is not the prettiest industry to be pointing at, but neither is working for God. You're not always going to have a pristine church. Everything's going to have problems and it's your job to manage and fix them and help minister to people along the way.
0: I had a wise man once tell me that your first pulpit will be the uh, plunger of a toilet. Mm-hmm.
3: That's absolutely true.
0: Yeah, you like if you're wanting like if you want to go somewhere in leadership, you gotta be willing to do the dirty work too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just it's part of the process, and you know we're more so going into what it takes as to go somewhere in leadership, but you also got to remember that even if you don't go anywhere in leadership, you're always going to be leading people Mm -hmm. everywhere you go, everything you do, whether you're just a simple person that, you know, sweeps the floor somewhere. There's people that look at you. They, they, see your example and they'll take something from that.
2: Uh, Definitely. And uh, one thing I wanted to say is, you know, uh, I've been running the uh, Pentecostal Youth Discord server for about a year and a half now. And I can tell you, there's a lot of things that I never would have expected to learn doing that. You know, all four of us in this podcast right now, we're we're admins. Uh, We've experienced leadership firsthand. Uh, One of the important things about being an effective leader is not how old you are, but how you influence people. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you influencing people positively?
0: Right. Yeah. You know, uh
2: are, are you gonna snap at someone because they've been testing you? Uh are are you gonna gaslight and manipulate people to get what you want? Uh I've met Pentecostals that are like that. It's it's rough. If you want to be an effective leader, don't manipulate people. That's straight to the point there. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh, our our last episode was on patience uh I, i recommend you go and listen to it if you haven't uh but as a leader you'll have to deal with people uh and you're going to have to learn to respect people and be kind to people sometimes uh someone may bring you an idea and it it just doesn't work uh and you know that you can't accept it you'll have to develop the mindset to decide on what to do in this situation. Because on one hand, you may want to be rude and tell them that their idea is stupid. That's not a good idea. And on the other hand, you may feel really bad because this person is a good friend of yours and you want to accept this idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though, you know, it's going to be a dumpster fire. Uh, You need to find a way to respectfully disagree uh, in situations like that. I've, I've met some leaders who'll spit in your face and tell you horrible things because they don't like your idea. Uh, and that's that's one thing uh, that's also in my notes here. Uh, you are not better than anyone just because you're a leader. Uh, right. Just because you're a leader does not mean that you're the dictator that tells everybody what to do. Uh, you're not some big high and mighty person. You're just a normal guy, just like everybody else. Exactly. Uh, you, may, you may be in a position where you can lead people, but that doesn't mean that you can boss them around and be a jerk about it, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you from experience, it, as soon as you get on a high horse, God has a habit of just knocking you right off of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's best yeah,
2: pride, to... Pride is, uh, pride is a sin.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's best to humble yourself before God has to force
1: you. Pride comes <laughs> before a fall. Sometimes yep. that fall is very fast and very hard. Oh, yeah. And other mm-hmm. times you can catch yourself. But it's best no, to not definitely. have pride at all and not gamble on okay, is this gonna be something that I can recover from quickly or is this gonna devastate me? Because mm-hmm. you have no idea of knowing. I will say, um, when it comes to leadership, uh there are some people who are who you wish would never make it to the top. I'm just going to put it bluntly. Oh yeah. I'm just going to be blunt about this. Narcissism has no place in the leadership that God has you for. Amen. Cause you are going to have people either who are a little under you, but they are still, an Im- they should still be an influential voice in your life or they're above you but it's something that they don't really have a hand in and they have a voice in your life. You need to learn to listen to those as a leader. Otherwise, you're going to be completely um, void from God because those people can hear from God just as easily as you can on the matter. Especially if you're seeking counsel, like the Bible says, and talking to them.
0: There's this book that I... uh... I read at one point, and it's entitled uh, Jesus on Leadership. Now, I read this because I had to for a class. I I didn't... I'm not a reader, really, but I had to read it for a class. And I found it really... It's a good book. And the main principle that it teaches throughout the entire book is that in the Bible, when Jesus was a leader, you know, he... He always led by being a servant. Especially when it comes to the ministry and being in ministry and ministering to people, if you're called to do that, you lead as a servant. You're the leader, but you're there to serve the people. That's what. Jesus did in the Bible and you know one of one of the key key portions of scripture where it demonstrates this is that time where Jesus went around and he washed the feet of the disciples. Mm-hmm. Um it just it showed his humility, his humbleness. When it came to the situation, now he didn't want everyone to be, hey, look at me. He got down with a bucket and a cloth and he washed their feet. It takes uh, a, a certain level of humility. I don't know about anyone listening, but I really like feet kind of disgust me and oh, <laughs> the <yeah. laughs> idea. the, the Yeah. The, the idea of washing people's feet just kind of makes my stomach churn a little bit. But, Same here. Uh, <laughs> but, Ew. you know, at that time, it would have been common for when you were a guest in someone's house for their servant to come over and wash your feet. Because really, for the most part, they wore sandals. It was the desert. Um, you get you know, a lot of
1: dust and dirt.
0: Your feet got real dirty walking around out there. Like, let's just be mm-hmm. honest. I don't know if you've ever gone to a day at the beach or something where there's like sand and dirt, and sometimes it takes there's you mud. Three
1: weeks to get rid of it all. It, I it don't takes like forever.
0: Sand. <laughs> but it, it just, you know,
2: <laughs> uh, I'll make of a Star Wars course. reference every now and then.
0: Um, it's it everywhere. But the dirt. Or I don't know if you any of you went through the stage as a kid where you just didn't shower for weeks on end. Uh, I know a couple of kids that have done that, but uh, oh, <laughs> it, it takes it takes forever, forever to clean up after that. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you can just imagine the amount of dirt that'd be on their feet after walking for days to get to a place. We're fortunate enough now that we have a car, we can travel long distances and hours, but they had to walk everywhere pretty well. Mm -hmm. And the amount of work it would be to clean someone's feet from all that dirt. You're always there to serve the people around you.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And that's the best way to be a leader because it teaches other people to serve others. And when you're serving others, you're not being selfish because when you're selfish, you just cut everyone else off and you can't be loving at that point.
1: I heard one pastor say that um, every good leader has at least a year's worth in customer service. Mm. I don't necessarily agree with the industry of customer service and how people are getting treated there but there are some principles that you do learn a lot of these are things that honestly you should be teaching your kids but it sometimes does not take a hold until you have to put it in practice in the workplace
0: it's funny that you mentioned the customer service industry
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm wanting to go straight into factories and avoid the karens but
0: (laughs) (laughs) i uh I recently started a job in the customer service industry. Oh, man. And thankfully, I live in a really nice town where the vast oh, majority... That's true. Uh, but just because I'm in Canada doesn't mean everyone's nice. Uh,
2: <laughs> Wait, what? Are you telling me that not everyone in Canada is nice?
3: Maple syrup, eh? <laughs>
0: uh, but, right. like... The vast majority of people are nice, and but you still get those cranky people that come through your line. They, oh, they come yeah. through and, they, you know, they just, they're just they out there to, you know, try and make it so you don't have a nice day. But you still have to greet them with a smile. Not that anyone can see it right now, because up here I got to wear a mask all the time when I'm at work. But <laughs> greet them with a smile, because in all honesty, people can tell if you're smiling by the tone of your voice. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. And you still be very nice to them. You got to be polite. You got to treat them as if they're the nicest person to you. I thought it was funny because just today, the day that we're recording this, I had a really cranky person come through my line and the next person in line watched them and that was like the nicest person ever to me. It was, it was great, but <laughs> either way, you just, you just, always treat people with respect no matter how ugly they get that's a that's a canadian term ugly how yeah. ugly they get <laughs> but uh you know how mean how rude they get mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah you got to be patient I mean,
1: with people here in the southern us you it's not that everyone's nice it's just everybody's got a gun so you don't want to run your mouth but <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Oh, man. I do see where you're going though. It um and also just a side note, if you are in the line and you are behind somebody who is awful. Please treat the person as nice as you can cuz sometimes that stuff hits hard. Oh yeah. Um I know some people say that customer service makes you numb, but not really. You never fully get numb to the um, spirit that comes from angry people. Mm. And the thing is the best medicine for that is the love of God. Right. So if you are able to impact somebody with that love, You make a better impact on them than you could if you were just your normal self, simply because you are bringing peace to people as they are dealing with stuff. You are Mm. bringing a spirit of love in where they just experience some of the nastiest stuff you can deal with in the spiritual realm.
0: You know, I just, I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 or chapter or verse 4. It says, "Um, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast and it is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It does, it is not irritable, irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. If you're truly showing the love of Christ to people, they'll experience a love beyond anything that they have known. The, the love of God is just something special that us as Christians have the privilege of experiencing every day of our life.
1: And we can take it for granted very easily. Oh yeah. It's kind of like when Samson um, was experiencing the power of God consistently in his life, even though he was, to be honest, he was consistently breaking his vow that was placed upon him. He was Nazarite from birth and... Um, you, aren't, you aren't supposed to touch anything unclean. You aren't right. supposed to deal with dead parts. I mean, you can, as was proven with the fact that he killed the lion, you can kill the lion and still have your valves intact with the Nazarite valve. But when you come back and you see that there is honey in there and you take of the honey that was in the lion's corpse, then you have touched an unclean thing. Right. Which also brings up a point. You can deal with stuff and be perfectly fine. It's when you go back and poke at it and fester at it and make people mad again. If someone comes after you, do not be hesitant to take care of it. If you are being attacked, it's an attack. But if you go back and you want to hold a grudge and you want to pester people, That is whenever you are dealing with an unclean spirit. Mm -hmm. And also that was not in my notes. That was just something that came to me. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, it's a very interesting point that I noticed. Um, My pastor was talking about that yesterday. As a
0: leader, we must also learn to It's something we touched on earlier with David and Saul, but I think it's worth revisiting a little bit here. I I think it's an important point that we all must really remember is you're not going to get somewhere in leadership without learning to follow. Yeah if you try and undermine or overthrow your leadership, that's very much in the wrong. That's not a way to go about things. That's rebellion. That's not good under any circumstances whatsoever. Um... You must learn to follow if you're going to get somewhere in leadership. Mm
2: -hmm. If
0: that means that you have a vision for something, but your leadership doesn't share that same vision, you submit to their leadership, their their vision. Because they're the ones that God has put in authority over you. God has brought that pastor in, And they're the ones that God has provided to give you leadership and give you direction. And just because you may disagree on a couple things doesn't mean that you can go off and do your own thing. God has put them in your life for a reason, and that may be just to teach you submission. Who knows?
1: Yeah, and also don't be discouraged whenever you bring your vision to your leadership or your pastor, and they say no or not right now, and you don't see any progress being made on it. A lot of times there's a whole lot of steps that have to go into your vision that you don't see even if you're the one who brought it to leadership
0: that's right
3: yeah. well think think of, think about this real quick paul wanted to go into asia god said no i think it's yeah. one chapter later god sends paul to asia minor mm. think about that right
2: yeah some things take time to take effect uh like god may give you a calling and you know as young people we naturally just we want to get into it as fast as possible but it may end up being 30 years from now you never really know uh it it, a lot of times people get angry when their leadership tells them no Mm -hmm. um but there's a lot of things that your pastor or your worship leader know that you don't know There's like a lot of things. There's a lot of factors that go into it. I've 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 known people that have literally left church because they were told no. Uh, But there there was obviously there is something going on in the background that affects that decision that you do not know. Uh, Leaders often
1: have to make really tough decisions. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you might see just as an example, you might see the new building that the church is wanting to do in your vision, but you are not going to always see that happen within even five years. Sometimes you have to, especially if you're operating on a board, which most churches do. Sometimes the pastor has to do something to prove that if you build it, God will move and people will come. Um, whether it's a renovation that does bring out the um, capacity a bit, and then you immediately, as soon as factors allow you to be hosting services in there, you immediately go back to the same ratio to maximum occupancy. Mm. Because the statistics are that most churches will run about 70 To 80% of max capacity. And then they just plateau. Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Whenever you expand your capacity, by like 50 people, and immediately you gain that percent, you go almost immediately back to that percentage whenever you open back up. That gets a board's attention. Um simply because they're the ones who advise on financial decisions and whenever they're able to see that this will happen with just this little bit that we've done, what would happen if we went and built a 300 person sanctuary or a 3000 person sanctuary or whatever. Mm. I,
0: I don't know who said it earlier. I don't really remember who said it, but I wanted to build off of it. It's like just because someone says no today doesn't mean it's not going to happen tomorrow
1: Mm -hmm.
0: now given that doesn't necessarily mean like hey today I went and brought this up tomorrow I go and do it again I don't mean literal days I mean like eventually if if God has given you a vision it will happen yeah it might not be right now but it will happen eventually
1: yeah, and that's something that even those who have been in leadership and in a position of bringing forth vision still struggle with. Um, the vision has went forth to start a preaching point in our local area. It went it went forth through several district meetings, and as of right now, there's still nothing being done about it. But it's on the docket to get somebody out in that area. Hmm. And we just have to believe that this will happen. And this this comes from being a licensed minister's kid. You hear some of this stuff. But it is also your job whenever you are in a position where you hear about it to pray about these situations that is sometimes more leadership than you will ever get actually in that area. But if you are praying and having faith that this position will get filled, this thing will happen. As long as you are able to put forth the effort and praying for this situation to come in on God's time, that will have a lot of impact. Yeah. And that's another thing. God's timing is never on our time. If it was, there would be no room for God to show that he was the one working. I know some people would like be like, yeah, if I got a thousand bucks and I was able to build my house right now, I save a thousand bucks. I'm a single dude. I know it don't take more than much. I, don't, I know it don't take that much to build a house for a full family, but I'm just throwing stuff out there. I've been brainstorming cheap housing. Sorry.
0: Ecclesiastes chapter three. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to a time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate a time for war and a time for peace
1: one thing in that scripture that you pointed out sorry i'm it's just bugging me um a lot of people were talking about how covid was the restrictions were not really biblical but what you just mentioned, there is a time for embracing and a time for refraining from embracing. <laughs> it just kind of struck me as funny that we're coming out of this season, at least in the U.S. But we're coming out of that season of refraining from embracing. But it was biblical way before we had to do this. I don't know. It it kind of struck me as funny.
0: In God's schedule, there's a time for everything. Mm-hmm. This is also this other thought that God will never break his promise to you. Mhm. If he has made a promise to you, it'll eventually come to pass. It's a that's a guarantee.
1: Yeah, um there's this principle in Japanese design. I forget what it's called, but it's where when something breaks you repair it mostly most of the time this is done with a gold Sub, a gold adhesive mm. and it signifies that even though something breaks, there is something more beautiful that can come from that. Just cause God allows something to happen. There's something more beautiful on the other side of that with Job. um, He lost everything, but I think it was sevenfold that he gained everything back.
0: Yeah. And you can also think of things, not just, scripturally but things that even today are are things that happen where there's the the caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. Mm-hmm. That that creature has to go through the struggle of pushing its way through the cocoon. It has to do that. If it doesn't do that, it'll die. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen a video or maybe you've done it yourself where you go like, oh, I'm going to help this thing get out of this cocoon. If you break that cocoon open, you're going to kill the butterfly. Yeah. If it doesn't have the struggle to get out. To move on to that next stage of life. It cannot function in that next stage of life.
1: And that's why um used to it was the doctor spanking a baby. Now it's just a very violent rub down with a towel. But you need trauma, and sometimes you don't get that in birth, but you need mm. trauma in order to survive to clear your lungs and actually be able to breathe. So it's part right. of even the human process. I know I heard I heard that at first and I'm like, man, doctors are just jerks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know there's things that we go through in, in this life and we, we really do. We wonder why. And we don't know. We don't know what the reason is as we go through it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that's really, it's, it's not for us to know at that time. If, if you're in leadership, you're, you're not only going to deal with your issues, you're going to get the issues of other people too. It's just, it's part of it. It's just, yeah. it's part of the thing. Um, and it's important that if you're going to actually pursue leadership, like God has called you to a leadership role, that you ground yourself. You really need to spend that time in prayer and spend that time in his word, getting to know God, getting to be his friend, getting to be close to God, that in order to function, in order to survive the demands of leadership within the church. Mm-hmm. But there's also principles that we talked about Uh, today that not necessarily only apply to church leadership. They apply to leadership in the secular world as well. If you want to go somewhere in leadership, you have to not... You know, you have to be nice to people. You, You have to be able to keep a level head, not be... You know, rude to people, and so on. You have to um, be a servant. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever gotten promoted for just doing the bare minimum.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't happen.
1: It's when you go above and beyond your station that you get a promotion.
0: Exactly. It, it's when it's when you do more than you're asked or you do stuff that you haven't been asked to do just because they need to get done mm-hmm. that you get promoted. And that's the same in the secular world as it is within the church world.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, employer will notice whatever you are willing to be like, oh, well, I'm done, but uh, this this project over here still needs a little bit of refining. I've got Mm -hmm. time on the clock. I'm not going to just waste it.
0: And that's the same with God. God will notice when you take that little bit of extra time and you spend it with him, or you take that little bit of extra time and you maybe do some fasting and some prayer
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Or maybe you volunteer to clean the church. Going back to what I had said earlier, where you know your first pulpit's gonna be cleaning a toilet. Yeah, I've I've been there. I've I've done that. You know, it's something that all of us really gotta be willing to do. If you're not willing to clean a toilet what would you be willing to do? Like it's not the stuff that everyone sees, but it's the stuff Mm -hmm. you do when no one sees.
1: Yeah. The Bible says to not let your left hand know what your right hand is giving or doing. Mm -hmm. And while we know that there is no knowledge between your right hand and your left hand, Um, You do need to be able to move And do stuff Without saying Hey I'm gonna do this Mm. Hey I'm gonna go Do this If you're posting every little move you have on social media Or in your slack group Or whatever it is you use to communicate with your church team That is just going to Number one it's gonna bug people to death (laughs) And another thing you're gonna look like you're just trying to make yourself look good instead of just letting it be done. Right. I th- I think it was Abraham Lincoln. It might have been Mark Twain that was attributed with the quote, "Better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt." Well, it's better to also be have someone notice what you're doing instead of open your mouth. Well, I did this and I did this. If you look at our what it says in revelation those who were able to say well i casted out demons in your name jesus is still gonna say well i did not know you you might have been able to exercise power but you did not have a relationship with me
0: there's actually a scripture that goes along with what you just said there um daniel i just looked it up really quick while you were talking and it's Proverbs seventeen twenty eight. even a fool who keeps his, who keeps silent is considered wise. When he choo- closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent.
1: That's why I enjoy back end work. Mm-hmm. I'm stupid, but I just, I just put myself in the back and run in a computer. That way you don't have to see my stupidity. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> yeah. But as we're coming to a close here. This evening. Well, it's evening when we're recording this. I don't know when you're going <laughs> to be listening to it, but. Uh, <laughs> we are. Up in the up <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, totally. You know,
0: it's important to remember that it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing, that you are leading people, whether you know it or not.
1: Definitely. Mm, no matter if you're. In the bathroom or scrubbing a toilet, like, yeah, Um, you keep on bringing up whether you're running sound or the live stream at the back, whether you're actually just sitting there in the pew. Sometimes just sitting there is more of a ministry than you will ever know by right. how you worship and how you act.
2: Definitely every second of every day, there's somebody watching you. Somebody Mm -hmm. is paying attention to you and what you do. And, you know, on the age of the Internet, it's everywhere. Uh, You know, you could just be saying something uh, in an online game for of of all places. And somebody could be listening to you. you could influence them.
0: Yeah, it's completely right. And it's important to remember as Christians. That. Even more so than normal people, people watch us, whether you know it or not. People are watching to see how you respond, to see how you react to these certain situations. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it's important to keep in mind how you're going to respond to these situations. All the time.
1: That's the thing. Um, The world is not dumb when it comes to scripture. Right. A lot of people in the world, I know I say in the world, but a lot of people who are not Christian are still very familiar with the scripture. Half of them used to be in the church and then they saw something that did not line up with what they saw in the Bible and they left. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's very, you have to be very careful whenever you are out in public, when you're on a bike, whenever you have the ability to reach somebody, you have to be very careful. Is Jesus speaking through this or is it my flesh? Because your Mm -hmm. flesh is very fickle. You can say things that don't need to be said. You can fly off the hook. Which is why I know sometimes, some would say it's crazy, but there are some times whenever before I hop on a game or anything, I'm like, God, just help me. I've had a rough day. I need to decompress. This is the way I decompress, but help me not damage my witness while I'm doing this.
0: Always important. Does anyone have any last comments before we wrap it up
1: here?
2: Nope. I think that's about good. Good. for me anyway
1: I think I've said everything just in conclusion be mindful show the love of God and let God guide you in any facet you have that is one of the key things in leadership
0: well with that being said we'd like to thank you for joining us on episode 3 of the Pentecostal Youth Podcast Uh, If you are not already, you can follow us on social media. Um, All those links are on our website at www.pentecostalyouth.chat where you can join the Discord server if you haven't already. You can also support us on Patreon for some cool perks within the Discord server or outside of the Discord server. We have some perks that are not just exclusive to the Discord server. We're on Instagram at Pentecostal Youth, Twitter at PYDiscord, and Facebook is also at PYDiscord. And just another thing with the Patreon there, um, you will get early access to these episodes um, pretty much as soon as we're done editing. They get up, there's outtakes and bloopers on there, And it's just a grand old time to hear us mess up all the time. Also, if you have any suggestions for what to talk about on the podcast or things we can do to make the podcast better, you can suggest them on the Discord server in our suggestions channel. Just mention that this is about the podcast. And until next time, God bless.